Welcome to The Blind Side. News and information from a blindness perspective. Here's Jonathan Mosen. Welcome to you, Apple Giveth and Apple Taketh Away. We've had the banners start to come down at the Bill Graham Civic Centre in San Francisco, where Tim Cook and his team have been presenting new Apple hardware, specifically a new series of Apple Watch and, of course, the iPhone 7. There's new software to go along with it, too. To talk about all of these things, we're joined by a number of people who can help us make sense of it. In Australia, where it's bright and early as we record this because the Apple event began at uh, 3 a.m. where he is. It's David Woodbridge, who's a prolific podcaster, writer of guides, and of course, he's with Vision Australia. Welcome to you, David. It's really great to have you on the podcast. That's okay. I'm feeling very sparkling for this time in the morning. Yeah, yeah, you sound, you, you look good, actually. Yeah, you look good. And uh, Jeff Bishop, of course, who we've talked to many a time on various podcasts. He was here with us to make sense of Windows 10 anniversary update, and he joins us from Arizona, where I'm sure it is not minus one outside like it is here, Jeff. Well, no, but it, it's raining all day here, and the high is only supposed to get up to 80 degrees. Here. That's fake degrees. Yeah, yeah, what, 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 what's it in Celsius? What would what, that be there? We can always ask Siri. I have no idea. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Heidi Mosen is with us as well, a great Apple enthusiast, and she's helping us to make sense of some of the visuals. Uh, it always is good to get some audio description, and apparently in this instance, Apple doesn't provide that on their live events, but we'll do our best to provide you with some audio description, so welcome to you, Heidi. Thank you, thank you. Let's talk about the iPhone 7 first of all, I think, because that's where I believe there will be the most interest. And let's go straight to the headphone jack first and sort of deal with that and get it out of the way. Your thoughts on the headphone jack? We'll start with you, Jeff. Well, it's gone. <laughs> uh, so they're going to ship a uh, pair of lightning-capable ear pods in the box with an adapter. Now, they also announced, which is sort of going alongside of this, these new wireless AirPods, which will be for 159 US, with this new W1 chip mm. in them. And according to what people are uh, saying here on the Twitter sphere, it looks like it's a, they're, they're connecting via Bluetooth. So this will be really, really interesting to see how all of this works. I don't like the fact that we have an adapter, and I'm afraid that if we connect these ear pods, we are not going to be able to charge our phones while we're listening. Uh, we can confirm that. Earpods. Heidi, you've had a good look at the adapter. Yes, I have. And there is no lightning female connector in that adapter, yeah. correct? That's correct. Right, so you can definitely, with it, at least with the provided Apple accessory, and there may be third-party accessories that achieve this, but you will not be able to use wired headphones with the Apple accessory and charge your phone at the same time. Uh, Apple is selling replacement adapters so that you can plug a connector, an adapter, into your lightning port with a 3.5 jack at the end, and they will sell for $9.95 US. That's $9.95 US. Right. Uh, the W1 chip, you mentioned Bluetooth, Jeff, but why do they need a W1 chip then? It, it seems to me like this is some sort of proprietary standard, that they're not going with Bluetooth for the AirPods. Yeah, I, I'm not sure. I, I think it is a, and we'll know more in the coming days, obviously, but I, I think it is probably Bluetooth, but it's a it's probably a very specialized 
chip, obviously. Um, I, I'm not sure what other standard they could they could use with them because they're probably going to want to sell these to work with the iPhone 6s and even the iPhone SE. And unless they're they've already baked a standard into those devices, you know, earlier devices, then I don't see how those AirPods would be able to function. David, so this what? W1 chip has really, really interesting implications if they license this technology to, say, MFI hearing aid providers. Yes, yes, one, 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 one would like to hope so. And there will be quite a long period of catch-up because hearing aid manufacturers um, tend to take a while. Uh, they, they tend to be quite conservative and it takes them a while to bring these things to market. Can I ask you, David, right. what you think? of What are the ramifications now that it's been official that the headphone jack is, is going away? Yeah, like Jeff, I'm worried about hearing aid manufacturers. But to me, I am a bit concerned about losing my lightning to 3.5 mil adapter if I want to use headphones. So <clears throat> to me, that's actually a bit a bit annoying. What they did say, though, was that the wireless charging case that you can then plug your ear pods into, so the complete time of charging is and battery time in the ear pods is five hours. Mm. They did say if you go flat and you pop them back in the case, you'll get another three hours worth of battery usage within 15 minutes. So to me, that's actually quite good. But to me, I don't really know how they're going to work. At the best of times, I find Bluetooth very hit and miss. So... One of the things I'm having with this W1 chip, I've noticed quite a few times, particularly with my iPhone 6S, if I've got my iPhone 6S in my pocket and I'm using, say, my Aftershocks or my Beats headphones, sometimes the headphone starts to lose connectivity a little bit, particularly when I'm streaming audio. So I'm just wondering whether this W1 chip adds a little bit more, as Jeff was saying, some more special features, particularly about connectivity, because one of the things that I liked about it was the fact that you could, well, it sounded like you could switch automatically depending on what was playing audio between your iPhone and your Apple Watch. Because I've got both of those devices, that would be quite nice rather than having to sort of go into each device and say, well, I want to use this headphone now. For those One who of the can, things that I wonder... Sorry, for, the, for those who can use the, uh, the, 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 the AirPods, as they're called, it does sound like it's being very elegantly implemented and you'll just kind of touch them. You'll, you'll have the, 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 the AirPods in range and you'll be able to make the connection to multiple Apple devices. It seems to me, though, that five hours is not a long time for a voiceover user. See, it's a different use case from somebody who just listens to music or takes phone calls. I mean, these AirPods are going to be some people's primary source of getting information out of the device. And it's not a long time. You, know, might, you might have trouble getting through a workday. Indeed, yeah. I mean, for me, five hours is, a, is an appalling time period. I mean, I use my headphones from, well, 6 a.m. in the morning until yeah. probably late at night, so I'm using it all day, every day. So to me, five hours is a point, like you said, particularly with voiceover. I mean, I like all the connectivity stuff. That's very techy and geeky, but I'll be very interested to see how it actually really works in practice, so I'm definitely going to keep my older headphones around, I think. You were saying, Jeff, sorry, I cut you off there. Not a problem. So early, a few months ago, there was some discussion about bl the Bluetooth 5.0 specification. And kind of makes me wonder now if we did not get that in either the AirPods or in the iPhone 7. 
but you know we'll we'll find out a lot more out about all of this in the coming days as far as specifications and things things are very very new here yeah yeah i have to say i have to say i raised this question back in november of 2015 and i got a very hard time from a lot of people on the internet who said that I was scaremongering, who said, what are you worried about when it's only, and I quote, just a rumor. That's what I heard over and over again. It's just a rumor. Even though I was very confident in my sources that it was clear that the headphone jack was going away. And of course, people said, well, why don't we just wait until Apple comes up with the announcement? Of course, now that they have, it's really too late to make any difference. I, I, I think the sales of iPhone 7 would have to be absolutely catastrophic before Apple considered reversing this now. They've nailed their colors to the mast. And I think it does have some really serious ramifications for voiceover users, particularly for whom the AirPods or EarPods are not an option. You know, we've just looked at the five hours battery life that is available on the AirPods at launch. And to be fair, there are some Beats 1 devices, which will cost a bit more. They're offering 40 hours. So I guess if you want to splurge out as a voiceover user, you can get the Beats 1 devices that have over 40 hours of battery life. But then you sort of think, well, you know, I'm paying quite a bit of a premium because they took the jack away. For those of us who can't wear headphones and who want to be able to use the device while charging it, I guess we're just going to either have to hang on to the 6S Plus or, or, or earlier until technology catches up with us or hope that there's a third-party accessory that comes out with some sort of dual adapter that allows you to charge and use the device at the same time. But I, I do have to ask you, Jeff, I guess with your ACB hat on, I reached out to a number of people in both NFB and ACB and I said to them, this is going to have really serious ramifications for one of the most vulnerable groups in our community and that's blind people who also wear hearing aids or even worse uh, in terms of vulnerability wear cochlear implants and people made noises and they said yes we we agree we'll we really need to do something about this somewhere along the line both organizations dropped the ball and i think they should be ashamed of themselves because now a lot of hearing impaired people are totally screwed by what apple has done today yeah i I I would tend to say that it's not a good situation. Uh, I, I do think that case providers will solve this. Um, I think I think you're going to see uh, a number of iPhone 7 cases which will come with dual, uh, you know, lightning or, or some strategy that will allow us to charge and, and use, you know, a 3.5-inch jack. I, th I think that's probably a no-brainer at least if i were someone making cases that would be the very first thing i would try to solve um but you're right it's a very very difficult problem and i i'm hoping it i'm hoping that apple thought about this uh you know maybe maybe the apple accessibility team will have something to say about it or or the accessibility part of the apple website will have something to say more about this Mm. It's a very small minority affected in quite this way, although I think there will be a number of voiceover users who will feel the inconvenience 
Uh, at least they have the choice, though. You know, they have the choice of putting up with something uh, else while they charge their phone. Um, but there, there will be a number of people feeling the inconvenience. That said, uh, on the bright side of audio, stereo speakers on the iPhone 7, and it sounds like they're putting out a really impressive sound. And in recent times, Apple products, certainly in the iPad range, really have got the sound right, haven't they? The, the sound of the iPad Pro units are fantastic. It's amazing. Actually, Jonathan, just backtracking a bit too. Remember also too, you can still get battery cases for the iPhone 7 and 7 Plus. So I've got a battery case on my iPhone 6S because I tend to run that battery down quite uh, quite easily. Yeah. So that's the other thing to remember that even if you might be stuck with a lightning connector, that if you want to get extended battery life anyway like I do, then you can still get a battery case for the iPhone 7 or the iPhone 6 Plus. So, David, with that case, because I haven't seen it, do you think that they might improvise that and and add the ability of of putting a 3.5 connector on uh, that new case? Do you think that's possible? Probably knowing Apple, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I just thought, yeah. So, just going through the workflow of this, then, if you buy the battery case, the officially sanctioned Apple battery case, that presumably plugs into Apple's lightning port does it and then you've got a lightning port in the case itself correct okay that's right so what, what so what happens if my iphone 6s is that i plug it in and then the phone's using its normal battery when it gets lower it then switches automatically to the battery case so at the moment my phone's reading 100 percent charge since 3 a.m this morning because it's pulling juice off the battery case yeah and then that discharges i can't remember how long it discharges down to but then it'll start using the battery case so you're right it just it slips in and it's got a lightning connector inside the case okay so that's a partial solution do you know of the milliampage of that battery case i used to but <laughs> yeah. after, after i bought it well none of us as young as we were you see uh, that's true <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, so that, that that's very positive. And, and there are some other things that are happening too. Griffin have come out with a really, or they're about to come out with a really intriguing device, and it's essentially a wireless 3.5-millimeter headphone jack. And that pairs with Bluetooth. So, again, one of the issues with, even if you're willing to put up with the battery drain of hearing aids caused by Bluetooth and stuff, uh, many of us have experienced the enormous latency that occurs with a lot of Bluetooth devices. You know, I have a pair of Mega Boom speakers, which are great, but you try and flick through uh, with voiceover running on those Mega Boom speakers and there's noticeable lag. A lot of headphones, but not all, have the same kind of lag. So who knows what this Griffin thing will be like, but it pairs with Bluetooth 4.1, so they are using a, a recent spec of Bluetooth, and you've essentially got a 3.5 headphone jack that, then, that, that is then wireless. So you would be able to, at least temporarily, if you wanted to use that, charge your phone and use this sort of wireless accessory, essentially a, a 3.5 headphone jack that clips to your pocket. Oh, that's interesting. One thing I'm really disappointed about, though, hang on a tick. <clears throat> Excuse me. One thing I'm really disappointed about, though, with these new um, AirPods is the fact that when I heard the word Air, A-I-R, I thought, wow, they're going to be AirPlay-enabled AirPods, and yeah. they're not. They're actually Bluetooth. Because one of the things about being a voiceover user is that when I use my AirPlay speakers, of course, as we all know, voiceover stays on the local device. And then the music or the movie uh, audio, audio description, whatever else goes out through the speakers. Of course, with Bluetooth, you get both voiceover and 
the other audio going out. So I just thought this was a little bit of a missed opportunity from a voiceover's point of view is to say that, look, great having new headphones, guys, but I'd really like in some cases for the audio to stay on the local device mm. and not go out to the uh, the extended sorry the external device the problem with that of course is i guess once you plug in that lightning connected to your earpods that the internal audio is stopped so i don't know quite know how they would even do it in the first place i guess it's going to work if you're just using you know the straight uh the new ones the the bluetooth and Apple ones but i'd still like to be able to sometimes use voice over my local device and just have music going out through this the headphones Interestingly, the Lightning adapter, the Lightning to 3.5 adapter that Apple is now putting in all the iPhone 7 and 7 Plus boxes, that does work with any iOS device as long as it's running iOS 10. So there's obviously a driver for it in there. I wonder what would happen if you connected a 3.5 millimeter pair of headphones and that adapter, whether two people could listen, you know, cozily to things at the same time or whether the Lightning presumably might override the other jack. Oh, look, dual training, that'll be fantastic. That'd be lovely, very cosy. Yeah, yeah very be. nice. Let's talk it to... It sounds like a Mosin explosion experiment. Well, uh, yeah, yeah, let's... Yeah. Well, of course, well, but that, that begs the question, who's getting an iPhone 7? Are you are you guys upgrading to, to the iPhone 7 or 7 Plus? Oh. Come on, Jeff. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Time to bleep, bleep or get off the pot, as they say. I, I, I have 36 hours to figure it out. Uh, See, I've only got... Yes, I mean, ours goes, yeah, ours goes on sale tomorrow night, David. You know, it's very quick. <laughs> I know. I, I'm actually getting one, I must admit, because I accidentally left my wife's handbag on the ground behind our car. That oh, how convenient, right. David. <laughs> so, I hope she's uh, got alas. your number. <laughs> That's right. So, alas... We are getting an iPhone 7 to support my wife. And, of course, being my wife who loves to watch videos and do Periscope and everything else, we're going to get the 256 gig version, and it's going to be the 7 Plus. I said to Bonnie, if the if the iPhone 7 or 7 Plus had the embedded Apple SIM, then I would get one for both of us because we're about to do quite a bit of international travel. And the embedded Apple SIM in the iPad Pro is an absolute, the, the, the 9.7 is an absolutely beautiful thing because you can go to the States and bring up a menu without having to fiddle around with putting local SIM cards in. And you can choose a local carrier and connect to it and subscribe to a plan. And you're done. You don't have to worry about your carrier's roaming charges. And you've still got your carrier's SIM card in the slot if you ever do need to go back onto your carrier for roaming. And um, But I guess Apple decided not to antagonize the carriers by putting the embedded SIM in because we've had Heidi scouring the website yes. and there's no evidence that the embedded Apple SIM is in the iPhone, unfortunately. Well, on the iPad Pro page, they explicitly mention in its tech specs that it has the Apple SIM and on the iPhone 7 page there is no mention of it whatsoever. So. Yeah, so that, that, that's a shame. So I have a dilemma because it's obviously as a hearing aid user it is going to be an adjustment and I think we're just going to have to, you know, the the, the battle is, is effectively over really. Um, well if you want someone in the family to have an iPhone 7 I would be I would graciously accept. That's very magnanimous of you. <laughs> yeah, I, I thank you for volunteering. <laughs> um, but I suppose the dilemma I have is that because I'm writing so much about the iPhone and training with it that I kind of feel like I need to 
be able to write about it and support it. So it is a big dilemma for me. Let's talk about colours, Heidi, and the oh, f- the different colors. finishes that the iPhone comes in. Yes. So jet black and black. What the hell is it? Yeah, that's confusing. <laughs> What's the difference between jet black and black? Okay. So jet black is quite glossy. It's almost mirror-like, so it's very shiny. Whereas just black is more of a matte finish, which makes it so less jet black shiny. is kind of more like my precious. Yeah. My, my precious. And they've already come out with a warning. <laughs> Apple's already come out with a warning less than an hour after the event saying, if you are prone to scuffing or scratching your iPhone, do not get a jet black one or put it in a case. Ooh. They've already said that. What, to not put it in a case? No, no. Either either don't buy a jet black one if you're prone to scuffing it or preferably just put it in a case oh, okay. so that you can protect it from scuffing. So I think I'm saying, Jonathan, too, that the, the jet black one reminds people of the black that it's nice and shiny on pianos. Yes. So that's what I think about when I think of jet black. I think of nice, shiny black pianos. Sort of varnished. Sort of varnished. Yeah. Yes, that, that is what it looks like, yes. Right. Mm. So there's that and there's the rose gold. Rose gold, yeah. gold, silver and black. Okay, two, two shades of black. Two blacks. There's the matte black and then the jet black, which is like the piano. All right. Although, Heidi, wasn't there, wasn't there some talk about the fact that was it the jet black one that you could only get in a certain configuration that was 128 gigabytes or something? Oh, yes. Jet black is exclusively available in 128 gigabyte and 256 gigabyte models, which okay, means so you no can't 32. get it with the 32. So, so maybe there'll be a Netflix series called Jet Black is the New Gold because it sounds like jet black is now the sort of <laughs> the, the, the one to be seen with. Is that right? I guess. <laughs> it's what all the cool kids have. I'm still partial to gold. Are you? Yeah. 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 Heidi Heidi made me buy the gold iPad Pro. She said I had to get a gold one. Well, um, you asked me what colour and I like the gold one and since you don't care. <laughs> the big news of course is the upping of all of the sizes of iPhone and this is great news. Um nobody surely will lament the demise of the horrible sixteen gig iPhone which was just the source of so many problems with people getting full iPhones almost immediately. You know, you fill it up with just a bit of music, you take a few photos, you install a few apps, you're gone. Uh, so this is great news and going all the way up to 256 for higher end users. Anyone want to rejoice about that? Yes. Hallelujah. I'm actually rejoicing. Yep. <laughs> Very good. Uh, other things, do, do you, either of you, Jeff and David, have a, a feel for the impact that the very significant changes to the camera might have on blind people using optical recognition packages like KNFB Reader or recognition apps like TapTapC or even just getting better at taking photos? Because for those who weren't tuned into the event, there are a number of changes. All of the iPhone 7s now come with optical image stabilization, including the non-plus models. So that's a big advantage. But also, you go all the way up to the 7 Plus and you've got two 12-megapixel cameras on the back. They have up the FaceTime camera uh, on the units to 7 megapixels as well, by the way. So you get a better view when you're doing the selfies and things. <laughs> but um, th- this, this dual lens thing... I don't know enough about photography to understand what that might mean for many of the applications that blind people are using on a daily basis. I, I don't either to be able to speak confidently about it myself. 
Actually, there's one thing that I, that was interesting to me is if they've got the telescopic zoom, which they said with the dual camera capability can go up to 10 times, I'm wondering, particularly with iOS 10's new accessibility feature, which has got the built-in magnifier in it, whether that combined with the dual cameras can let students look at a whiteboard in front of the classroom much more effectively and clearly. Oh, than that's interesting. Yeah, at the moment. So that was the first thing that popped into my mm. mind about it. I thought, oh, well, now sometimes OCR is what you get because it depends on the actual documentation you're reading. But as far as the camera goes, I just thought, wow, this is going to be really interesting because there's quite a lot of devices coming out from assistive technology vendors that have their systems. It's basically effectively an app based on hardware and they sell it for thousands of dollars versus you grab an iPhone and it's got built-in camera, it's already got the built-in app already, and hey, presto, you've got yourself a handheld video magnifier that you could use in a classroom setting. Now, that's really good thinking because that could be behind uh, the, the new magnifier function that is actually built into iOS 10. They may have put that in there mindful of the new hardware. Hmm, exactly. Wow, very interesting. Uh, obviously, things will happen a lot faster. There was a lot of emphasis when Phil Schuler was up there on the way that machine learning is now assisting the cameras to focus on genuine things like objects, faces, things you might want to photograph. One presumes that's very good news for blind photographers who may have difficulty getting uh, the face exactly in the frame and getting things to focus. Depth of field sounds really interesting. I must admit, I'm going to start doing some uh, YouTube mob. Well, not exactly YouTube videos, but I'm going to do some audio video uh, podcasts fairly soon, probably starting in towards the end of the year. And one of the nice things I like about using the camera with iOS on a stand is that I know if my face is in focus, then the object that I'm holding in the basically the camera view has to also be in focus, otherwise my face wouldn't be in focus. And I've tried it a few times, and it seems to work fairly nicely. So hopefully with this new improved camera system, um, I'll be able to do more effective podcasts. One thing I hate about doing audio-visual stuff is that unless you have a sighted person sitting with you, you never quite know whether the object you're saying. Now, as you can see, the bottom left-hand side of this device, blah, 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 is actually in a focus or not. So that's what I'm looking forward to playing with. I think if you pursue that, then there's a real market for podcasts on how to do those you know a lot of totally blind people that i talk to and to some extent i've, I've become comfortable with taking basic pictures and, and certainly doing ocr but a lot of totally blind people just still find working with a camera a foreign thing you know if you've been blind since birth and so i think if you've cracked that or you continue to crack it there'd be a lot of interest in a series of podcasts on better photography as a blind person Absolutely, and plus there's quite a few good books in the um, the iBook store on using, you know, or doing photography from a blind or low vision perspective. So I'm going to start, like I said, I'll probably start doing that over a couple of months or so, and I've, most likely I'll probably I'll do a series of podcasts on it as well. I'm just going through my notes on the iPhone 7. Um, oh, of course, the big news as well is that it's water-resistant and dust-resistant. I won't even go into how. I managed to drop an iPhone in the bath once when, when the bathtub was running full of water. It was a fun time in my life. And, uh, but um, I actually, with, with judicious use of a hairdryer and putting it in rice for a while, actually was, was as good as new, mate. Good as new uh, after a little while. But this is good news. So water-resistant and dust-resistant. Um, how water-resistant is it? They gave us sort of a figure um, 
And then they said, oh, but it basically means that if you're accident prone, you'll be okay. But I take it that doesn't mean that you should take it in the bath with you or anything like that. Yeah, no. The spec is IP67, right? Yeah. Is that what they said? IP67. Yes. And I, I didn't have time to Google that and find out what that really means. I uh, Maybe Heidi can... Well, the image quick, they showed uh, after saying that and saying when you're accident prone is someone falling into a pool. So I guess it handles being submerged for a short period of time. That's pretty impressive. Yeah. Mm. yeah. The first thing that's my mind was actually dropping in the toilet yeah <laughs> i've never done yeah. that <laughs> i was reading I, I was reading just yesterday that there's a social network that's been set up i don't know if either of you read this there's a social network that's been set up specifically for posting when you're on the toilet oh that's weird oh, God. yeah oh dear that's sad yeah okay. yeah yeah you, you can be sure they'll be posting crap on that so tmi <laughs> Uh, so that's the iPhone 7. I think we've covered... Cav- wait, wait, wait. We forgot about something. Oh, tell mm-hmm. me. Tell me. We, yeah, yes. And, and I want Heidi's uh, knowledge on this one because none of us here will know. And even my son tried to get some close enough pictures to be able to tell. But the home button... Oh, of course. That's a really big deal. Yes, the home mm-hmm. button. Yeah, that's a huge deal. So, Heidi, the first question I have for you is... Were you able to see any close-up pictures of the of the front of the new iPhone 7? And is the home button, because we know it's no longer a physical, mm. you know, button, mm-hmm. is it is it indented in any way? Does the glass taper in any way that we can tell where it is? Or is it strictly flat? The only pictures I seem to have got of it are dead front on. But from what I can tell, it is slightly tapered still. So you should be able to feel... So you should still be able to feel where it is. Where the home button is. I guess I've got used to that on my Android device. I have a Nexus 6P, and I intuitively know where the home button is. But um, obviously this is slightly different because it sounds like the home button in and of itself is able to offer independent haptic feedback... And yeah, that, and yeah. it's 3D so, touch aware, yeah, so yeah. you can touch it harder and softer, and you know, I don't know, uh, it's yeah. it's going to be interesting. Actually, for for people with a physical disability, I'm really looking forward to the fact that this is an electronic home button rather than a mechanical one, because I've had so many people on the help desk at Vision Australia ring up, and sometimes they actually can't press the home button in, let alone press it one, two, or three times to toggle the voiceover on and off, and so on. So. Having a taptic home button that hopefully vibrates when you take your finger on it, and the fact that you can just you know tap it three times to bring up voiceover, turn voiceover on and off, and so on, that to me is going to be really really great. My um, my wife has got some issues with her hands, and she actually finds it hard to press the home button in. So that's going to be re- one of the really cool things about the iPhone 7. Hopefully, as soon as I get one. Um, I'll be able to play with the home button. And as usual, as soon as I get one, I'll do a series of podcasts on the home button. But it was really funny when he was reading out all the functions of the home button. I thought, my goodness, isn't it amazing how just one button can do so many different things? Yeah, I was thinking that. Pretty impressive. I think this is also going to be really important for people who have tremors in their hands. Um, My father has this and my two kids have this problem. And sometimes, you know, my, my dad will say, well, you know, I, I meant to only tap the button once and I ended up doing it. You know, I turned voiceover on. 
yep. you know, because because of it. And so I think this is going to be a big deal. I, I'm actually very excited about this change. It's very clever. I mean, when people described the new trackpad that's on some of the Macs, and I bought a MacBook Pro last year that has the new trackpad, and they described how even though the thing doesn't physically move. It really does feel like it's moving. And when I read about it, I thought, ah, yeah, come on. It does, yeah. though. I mean, it really feels like it's moving, even though it's not. I'd be interested to see how they get around the current user interface of double tapping the home button for reachability, if you choose to have that switched on, mm -hmm. which is the feature yep. that makes the phone usable one-handed by a sighted person by lowering material on the screen and and double tapping for the or, or, or double pressing i guess for the app switcher i think you'll just press harder mm. i think it'll be like 3d touch you'll you'll you know you'll peak <laughs> basically um to be able to get that and you'll get different levels of haptic feedback based on what you're what you're doing so i think i think that we're going to have a lot more there was rumor that they added a lot more uh, sensors and things to the iPhone 7. So, but I don't know if that's true or not. But uh, it would make sense based on the fact that he talked about, you know, that it's it's going to provide a lot more feedback throughout the entire interface. Yeah. Do you use 3D? Do either of you? I'm not sure if you're on the uh, the success flavor or not. I do, David. Yeah. yeah. I know. I know. Yeah. Do, do either of you use 3D Touch very much? I don't. I do. Uh, I use it quite often. Uh, I find it pretty nice to get to things more quickly. For example, you know, turning on uh, low power mode by simply, you know, pressing hard on the settings button and getting to battery quickly and, you know, as opposed to going into settings and finding it, you know what I mean? It's, it's just a lot quicker that way. And I use it all over the place for things like that. I've been playing Making phone calls. Yeah, I've been playing with it more lately, I guess, and um, there, like the Sonos app now has some 3D touch features, which are quite handy, just being able to hit play and pause without going into the app. And the, I, I moved the Google search app to my dock because I find that I'm using Google so much more than Siri for functions other than system-wide, like dictating text messages or opening apps, because Google voice search gives me really definitive comprehensive answers to all sorts of questions whereas siri comes back and says i found something on the web take a look and in the google app if you 3d touch on there you get a, a number of shortcuts including voice search but i'm still not sure whether it's saving me a lot of time compared with um, going into the app and saying okay google or not so i suppose in some instances it may be worthwhile and in others it may not be Let's talk. So I had another question for Heidi. Uh, yeah, about the the iPhone Seven itself. So the camera on on the front and the back, um, especially the back. Do we still have the bump for the cameras? The bump. Yes, we still have the bump for the cameras. Oh man! <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, yeah. I was I hoping that you know all this talk about the uh, redesign of things. I hope I was hoping that they solved that problem because. I don't really like the bump. Have you noticed they always find a way to get Johnny Ives to say aluminium on every video that he produces because so many American women like the way he says aluminium. Uh, they, and, oh, and they always get it in there. Um, um, I've looked up the specs on the Apple website and compared them to the 6S and 6S Plus, yep. and they're exactly the same dimensions. 
Right. It looks like physically the form factor is is the same. Yes. This is it'll be the same casing and stuff. Of course, they also the other thing we haven't talked about is the new chip. This is the A10, and what's the word they're using? I'm just fusion. 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 Is it fusion? Which, which reminds yeah. me, I'm waiting with fusion? bated breath for the new version of Fusion. VMware Fusion. Yeah, to drop today. Yeah. I know. Um, a, A10 Fusion chip, and they say that battery life is going to be quite a bit longer, that on average some people may get about two hours more two battery hours. life. Uh, and some and may one get, hour on the plus. Yes, one hour on the plus. Some people may get even longer than that. So that's welcome. And one of the ways that they're doing this is that they have a, a four-core processor in the device. Some of them, have, A couple of them are fast cores and a couple of them are not, and they're making intelligent decisions about which applications need the speed and which can handle the slower cores, which use less energy. And by making those sorts of intelligent decisions, they can extend the battery life. I think I read somewhere that the milliampage on the 6, 7-plus battery may be a little bigger than the 6S Plus, but it's hard to know. There, there, there are some rumours that have come to pass and some that have not. Well, it's actually interesting. They were saying that you're going to get two hours extra battery life on the 7 and an hour extra battery life on the Plus. On the 7 Plus, right. Mm. Yeah, so that'd be yeah. good because the 7, I mean, the Plus models have longer battery life anyway. Plastic, yep. Yeah, yeah, so that's very good. And here's the other cool things about uh, the changes for iPhone 7. Uh, for older devices... So let's say you don't want the iPhone 7 and you want to get an iPhone 6S, then you will be able to buy it with the upgraded memory sizes. So you'll so you'll be able to walk in. I'm not sure when this will happen, but but they said during the keynote that they're going to have 32, 128, and 256. 6 no, sadly, uh, sadly, no, sadly, no, sadly, only, no 256. Only 32 no, and 128. No, 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 no 256. Okay. No. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was interesting to. It was interesting too because they were also saying that that's going to apply with the Apple Watch range as well. The fact that the Series One Apple Watch will be upgraded for the processor inside it as well. So if you don't want to you know, buy a Series Two watch and you want to buy a cheaper Apple Watch, you can still buy the Series One but get the better processor in it. That so my probably... question about that, David, is if you're under uh, Watch Care Plus, well, I'm not sure what they call it, but uh, Apple Watch Plus, I guess. Can you pay the the repair fee and upgrade your watch with the new processor? Mm, that'd be interesting, wouldn't it? Yeah, I'll have to have to find out about that one. But that'd be nice if you could. Man, I will do that tomorrow. <laughs> I would do that. I would. I would so do that. You could podcast <laughs> the, the the deliberate breaking of your Apple Watch so that you can. Uh, I wouldn't do. I wouldn't do that. Yeah. But I would. I I, I would pay a fee. If they said for $99 you can upgrade your processor and your Apple Watch to the new one, I would do that. Mm. Actually, it's funny, Jonathan. I want to know if they showed visually the the Series 2 Apple Watch squirting out the water. Yes, out yes of the they speaker. did. Well, they didn't After have an actual video. Out. They had a simulation. I thought that was quite cool. I can imagine you know That's people using awesome. it like as a water gun. You know, they've got all this Apple Watch uh, <laughs> water from when they were in the shower or whatever, and they go and squirt it at someone. I mean, how does it work? Is there a button that you press or? Uh, I think it's an automatic process, but hold on, I just have so to find for, it. So, for those who, who didn't see the your workout, is what it what what it implies. <laughs> for those who didn't so see the keynote, you stop your workout and your watch squirts at you. Yeah. Yes, the <laughs> deal, the deal is that the Apple the Apple Watch, the new Series Two, it's being called the new Apple Watch, is waterproof. 
uh, swim-proof. And so you can actually swim with this thing. And there are new swim workouts available, which learn about you over time. And yeah, 50 meters down you can go. So over time, it will learn about the way that you swim, your your particular swimming strokes. You can definitely keep it on the shower. So you keep yours on in the shower now, don't you, David? I, I read about how you took a shower and then the Apple Watch went all muffled on you. It did, and that's what I'm going to look, have, try and test out with the new Series 2 one. I want to find out whether that new squirty feature with the speaker <laughs> gets rid of all the moisture on the speaker, whatever it is. Oh, and then my gosh. I can quickly use my Apple Watch in the shower continuously or afterwards if I want it quickly. Yeah. Apple Watch now comes with a squirty keyboard. <laughs> they have redesigned the speaker so that the bit that vibrates is closer to the outside so that only a little bit of water can get trapped in there and as it vibrates it pushes the water back out rather than it traveling uh-huh. down a channel and getting stuck in there oh, is that what it does uh-huh right oh. yeah. that's quite genius so everything else is sealed oh. but as they pointed out in the keynote obviously speakers have to vibrate they have to have room to to make their speaker thing uh, and so this is what they've done it ejects the water when your workout is done um absolutely fascinating so it's faster it's um i don't think did they make reference to longer battery life on the apple watch series 2 no they did no, no. because it's got the new gps chip in it i'm wondering if it's yep. same battery life or maybe a little or bit less, less. Yep. Yeah. So definitely didn't mention GPS uh, in the Apple Watch Series 2, which means that you can go for a run, you can go for a walk without your phone. But as predicted, they haven't quite cracked the cellular radio and energy consumption. So the thing isn't completely independent at this point. Um, they'll get there, I'm sure. Uh, I guess without any kind of cellular option and given that storage is fairly limited on the device we may we may not see a number of blindness specific gps apps on the watch yet do you think or might there be room for something i'd love to see blind square gps on there that'd be yeah me too absolutely here in australia um the other thing i was very keen to find out about too and this is probably one for heidi is i wasn't clear whether the apple watch nike watch was a completely separate watch model or was it just called the apple watch nike because it came with a nike sports band it is a different model okay it's marketed as a different model you buy it as a different model but it has some sort of didn't it have some sort of shortcut i don't know whether it's a software shortcut or an additional hardware button for starting a run it appears to be a software shortcut right right so it comes with a slightly different version of the software too then that includes a run workout shortcut right on the on the what on the watch face or something like that yes yeah yeah so probably product differentiation for the most part although the run software does have some really cool tricks one of the things i mean i i don't i know that you've been waxing lyrically lyrically david about watch os3 and i i agree i think of all of the software updates this time round, watch os3 is absolutely fantastic it's like having a new Apple Watch, and they've done a very good job adding some cool accessibility features like the automatic speaking of any selected complication, and of course the ability to tell the time by by vibration um, without you having to 
press the button and hear the time, which is great for those of us who are in meetings and don't want to have the watch mm. blurting away. Uh, so there's a lot of really good stuff in the software in, in, in watchOS 3 as well. Absolutely. I mean, I, I did that sneaky podcast about a couple of weeks ago yeah. on uh, Watch version 3. But, you know, to me, you know, the, the talking Mickey Mouse time with my granddaughter loves um, the dock for getting faster access to the, you know, to the latest, sorry, to your chosen 10 apps that you want to use all the time. The taptic feedback, like you said, the enabled automatic speaking of complications. I mean, to me, I really have no need to upgrade to a new watch because of watch OS 3. I, I think I think if I couldn't get version 3 in a Series 1 watch, I would literally go out and buy a new watch because of the software, not because of the new hardware improvements. Mm. Without battery life improvements of any substance, and I don't, I mean, I, I work out a lot now, but I don't do a lot of walking or running workouts. I don't think I can justify it, although Heidi's very keen to have my Apple Watch. Well, if, if you want to keep your one, I'm happy to accept you buying me the new one. I can't believe how, <laughs> I can't believe how generous you've been on this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> uh, any other... Any other thoughts on Apple Watch um, Series 2 or, or, I guess, Watch OS for that matter, which is coming out, I think, next week. It looks like the... Watch OS 3 is available from September 13th. As is iOS 10. And uh, then we have Sierra coming out on the 20th. So uh, 20th. Are, you, are you an Apple what Watch? TV? Yeah, what TV? TV OS, is that the 13th as well? I'm not sure. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I'm sure they never mentioned TV. There was no mention at all of the Mac, you know, not even a recap of what's in Sierra or Apple TV today, which was interesting. Uh, are you? Sorry, I'll just quickly say I find that quite surprising because one of the main features about Watch version three, of course, is to automatically unlock your Apple Watch. Sorry, unlock your Mac with your Apple Watch. And the other thing about TV OS ten is that seems to be the new hub for HomeKit. Yeah. So. You know, mentioned HomeKit during the keynote presentation, but they didn't spend too much time on it. And I'm always really disappointed, at least here, over here in Australia, when I hear about HomeKit, because all the products tend to be available overseas. We don't have hardly anything here in about New Zealand, but in Australia, you know, we've got some lights and we've got some uh, door locks and that sort of stuff. But really, the HomeKit enabled devices, particularly here in Australia, is very, very poor at the moment. Yes, I've been waiting and wanting to really get into home automation. And it's a difficult decision because I'm – and this is something we didn't actually talk about with regard to the headphone jack that also troubles me is the increasingly proprietary nature of some of this technology that's coming out. So if you invest in a lot of HomeKit products, you have to hopefully ensure that it supports a number of home automation standards in case you ever get to the point where you decide that another – operating system and other companies products suit you better and you've got a whole house that you then can't control and it's like this with the lightning port i i have a lot more sympathy for the idea that we inevitably will have to move to usb c based audio because that's an open standard but this kind of move to proprietary things that apple appear to be doing with even their wireless solutions and adoption of the lightning port for audio it does make me a little bit nervous that you kind of get locked. I mean, it, obviously, it's in their interests to lock you in. I don't necessarily think it's in the consumer's interests to be locked in. No, and, and look, I must say, from my point of view, from my connected home setup, my connected home works with both Android and iOS. 
And I noticed when they said uh, HomeKit has a lot more devices. Well, as far as I'm concerned, if it doesn't support devices that supports other other operating systems, i.e. Android and so on, then I certainly won't be buying them because I, I really don't want to get locked into the Apple universe. I want to have devices that are more flexible. And like you said, if I choose to use a different operating system in the future, I've got the flexibility. So I'm getting very wary about the way Apple's going into, you know, closing off their garden more and more lately. Yeah, and look at all those lightning AirPods you're going to end up with. I mean, you won't be able to use them even on a Mac. I mean, you can't even use them on all of Apple's products. <laughs> no, wait, wait. I thought you, you could use it on a Mac. No, Didn't not, not the lightning ones because there's no lightning port on the Mac. Oh, and the lightning ones. Yeah, the AirPods, though, you could. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you will, with, with the AirPods, you will because they're wireless and that's being supported on the Mac. Um, yeah. Yeah. A new hardware feature on the Mac, a lightning connector. Yeah, well... I mean, Just maybe. maybe. <laughs> we'll know we'll, in October, right? We've got that to look forward to. And, of course, then we've got the um, the, the new um, courageous, I guess, would be Phil Schuller's description of it. This seems to be the way they're marketing. Courageous deletion of the function keys on the forthcoming Macs, by all accounts. And they're going to be replaced with a sort of a touch uh, aware strip at the top that are context sensitive. So I'm not, see, I, I probably use Windows about 80% of the time on my Mac and I yep. do that with Fusion and I use the Mac for certain tasks, which I really like it for. That's one of the reasons why I haven't been beta testing Sierra because I've been waiting for Fusion to catch up and ensure that I get continued stable experience on, uh, with Windows. But if they take that function key strip away, you know, it'll it'll be interesting to see how we uh, use Windows on the Mac. I, I'm actually more concerned about that than I am the connector issue on the iPhone Seven. To be honest with you, I think I think there are larger implications for this than there are uh, with the, the headphone jack. In fact, I've been thinking more about this, and I think that while the 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 headphone issue while charging. I mean that's going to be a problem for for everyone, yes. not not just voiceover users. Yeah. So I, I I think you know I I really would like to better understand what Apple's position is on this, um, and uh, I it's it's I I don't know. Um, mm. But but <laughs> while while the issue is an issue for everyone and not just voiceover users. I think the use case for voiceover users makes it a bigger issue because we rely on sound for getting access yeah. to what's on the screen, not just for taking a, a call or, or listening to right. a piece of I music. Agree. I agree. Yeah. I agree. Uh, so yeah. we'll we'll do some reaching out and see what we, we can find out. <laughs> I, I, Apple will not say anything until they're ready to say something, you know, that's no. there. That's the standard yeah, way. Well, that, well, we can email accessibility at Apple and see what they say. And right? they will send a form response back saying, thank you for your inquiry. Unfortunately, <laughs> we cannot talk about products that are not yet released. They're announced now, so hopefully they may, they may be able to shed some light on this. You had something there, Heidi? But, yeah, what would solve this problem is if they just implemented wireless charging like some of the Android phones do. Well, I think you'll find that'll come in the next iPhone, uh, which will be the 10th anniversary edition. There's already suggestions that there are wireless chips being sorted now for that, or being sourced, and that it may be called the iPhone 8, because what we didn't really talk about when we looked at the iPhone was this is the first time that a major number change has not resulted in a significant form factor change. 
This is the third year in a row that the iPhones pretty much look the same. Yes, that. Yeah, that's true. That's yeah. true. I mean, I was I was listening to the radio. I was listening to one of the um, streaming systems this morning, the TV networks, and they were actually saying that perhaps smartphones, i.e., Apple's iPhone in particular, has reached a level where they really don't need to improve the case anymore. They really need to start looking at more hardware and not so much software features now because it's quite good, but more hardware features now, including wireless charging. Yeah. Well, it'll be interesting to see whether they've done enough to entice people to part with their money because two out of every $3 that Apple earns in revenue comes from the iPhone line. And so they've had this decline in revenue recently, which has got investors concerned. And I'm just not sure whether there's quite enough there with what is now a very mature market to encourage people to splurge out on a new device, particularly, you know, you look at the US, which is a pretty saturated market. People seem to be moving away from that old model of subsidization where you could go to AT&T and pick up a, a phone for 199 or 299 that, that seems to be becoming less the norm now. Are you finding that, Jeff? Yes, I am actually. Yeah, I, I, it's, uh, yep, I agree. Yeah. Oh, well, it'd be interesting to see um, what what numbers are like. And uh, it always amuses me the way they come on and they say this is our best iPhone ever. I mean, what would really be a shock is if they said, well, this one's not as good as the one we made last year, but um, <laughs> we want you to buy it anyway. <laughs> um, I always turn to something. Well, but, we- but 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 nine to five Mac Jonathan says that sixty percent of their readers are going to upgrade. Um, but I definitely think there's going to be a hit due to this headphone jack issue. I think I think there's going to be a percentage of people, and it may be 10 or 20% that don't upgrade. Also, there's the um, iPhone upgrade program. So instead of going out and buying a subsidized phone, you just pay a fee to upgrade to the latest model. And that has been extended. Yep. So it's been in the US for a year or two and now it's in the UK and is it China, China I think. Yeah. 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 So not not for you and me, David. We gotta we gotta shell out and sell the old one. That's the one. Yeah. <laughs> um we skipped over iOS 10 when we were talking about iPhone 7 and uh, obviously there's a lot to say about that but um Maybe all of you are using iOS 10. Maybe you can give me some of your, your favorite couple of features. We'll start with you, Heidi. What are your favorite features in iOS 10? Oh, I like the really cool thing with photos where it, like, sorry, I said that word that I'm not supposed to say. That Like, I make her put $10 in the jar every time she says like. <laughs> it collects all the similar faces together and tags them as a person and you can give them names and you can just look at pictures of a person and it's got the, that the, yeah this is similar to features and i like all yes sim- similar to what happened with facebook um you you now have the um the automatic algorithm try and describe a photo to you and sometimes it's wonderful and sometimes it's quite amusing <laughs> we went through it groups automatically all of the photos from bonnie's and my wedding last year and we were, I was skimming through these photos and I thought this is absolutely incredible because I can get some sort of feel of what all of these photos are. And are you, are you, Before you continue, are you sure you want to say this and it won't upset Bonnie? Oh, it won't upset Bonnie. She's pretty <laughs> robust. I mean, she's married to me. Oh, fair point. Um, but, she, but when we were skimming through the photos, 
there was a photo of Bonnie, you know, all, all regaled in her wedding dress, etc., and it said that it was a woman with a disgusted face. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm absolutely sure, uh, based on other people's descriptions, that she did not look disgusted at all. So, you know, it, it might be a useful guide, but you wouldn't want to rely on it before you start the next war over them. Or, uh, what else have you got, Heidi? Is that, is that your main, main feature for iOS 10 that you like? Um, I also like the widgets thing. The widgets thing. That you, like, swipe to the left. Oh, right, okay. Very good. I use that a lot. I've got live tracking for my buses and trains in there, and I can just swipe and go, and it shows me my favourite, like, my saved stations and stops, and I can just see the live tracking for all that, and I find that really useful. Excellent. How about you, David? What's your favourite couple of iOS 10 features? Yeah, that's probably similar to me. I love the, the Today screen on the lock screen now. So I can literally use the Today screen to find out about, you know, whether my upcoming appointments, uh, home kit, not, sorry, not home kit, um, home connected uh, devices, all from the, the lock screen. The other thing about the lock screen, too, is that feature with um, the new iPhone with iOS 10 now, so not the new iPhone with iOS 10. You can actually lift up your phone and the phone becomes live because you picked it up. So Do you like me, that? That's actually quite handy. Okay, you I like, like that. I like it because <laughs> I'm, re- I'm really busy, so I have to be very quickly because I because I do the help desk and I do podcasts and I do radio programs and I go to God knows what else people are always after me and I find that the faster I can get things and get information in and out the better off I am so the fact that I actually don't have to really touch my phone in some ways to find out what the hell is going on comes really really handy for me Okay, see, that's it's cool that we have the choice because I turned that off because it was driving me nuts. You know, sort of voiceover talking just because I picked the phone up, and um, but but I can see where the use case is, is there. That only works from the 6s and 6s plus upwards. By the way, Heidi was yeah. very disappointed when she I, picked I was, up her six. And I was reading the book and it was talking about this great feature, and I was like, my phone doesn't do that. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Jeff? What's uh, what's inspiring you about I? OS 10. Well, my absolute favorite feature is the way of moving apps around oh, on yes. the home screen. What a oh, difference. Yes. Absolutely marvelous. Marvelous, I tell you. <laughs> love it, love it, love it. Yeah. Uh, it's, fant- it's, it's just fantastic. I mean, when you have a folder of, you know, like my utilities folder has 36 apps in it. And, I, and I'm just crazy about keeping them in alphabetical order. So, you know, you do the double tap and hold and slide thing. And if you don't, if you're not clever enough and quick enough, it, it doesn't work quite right. And then things get all jumbled around. And so this is, this is great. This is really good stuff. Yeah, there's, and, a, there's uh, a lot there. You know, people can buy your book and find out how to use it. They can. And I would encourage them to do that because, I mean, if yeah, I am going to yeah. buy the iPhone 7, it's either that or go on the streets, you know. Um <laughs> I work. I just want to briefly touch on this because uh, I work received some love today. This is the suite of applications that I guess uh, competes with Microsoft Office and also Google Docs. And one of the things that they've added here is real-time collaboration in all the iWork apps. And I said to Heidi, who's an electrical engineering student, 
that maybe this would be quite cool when she's collaborating with people. But uh, you, you're already, you guys are already pretty entrenched in Google Docs. Well, we use Google Docs because it's cross-platform and there's an array of people using Linux or Windows or Macs. And it's just easy to use cross-platform and from anywhere, really. Although I think they do have web applications, so this would be cross-platform too. I think you can log in. I don't know how accessible they are, whereas Google Docs has made some fantastic strides with accessibility of late. But um, but it, I think it would be cross-platform in the sense that there is a web-based version of the iWork apps. I guess that is true. Yeah, yeah. You guys... Yeah, I think time will tell on this one. Um, mm. We'll have to see how accessible the new web app versions are. And, and uh, we know that the that the iOS versions and the Mac versions are very accessible. So we'll just have to wait and see how, what this looks like. Heidi, you didn't see on a slide when those are going to be released, did you? Uh, when the... iWork. iWork. I don't think it said no. Right. Uh, you think this is a significant breakthrough, David, or just pretty much catch-up? I think it's catch-up time, yeah. I mean, we... Well, it's definitely catch-up, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's you know, it's it's good. It's interesting. It's it's you know, it's an upgrade. I mean, it hasn't had, like you said, any love for several years now. But I really do think it's catch up time. So we'll we'll see what happens. I mean, it's, I know when I last checked out the web apps on the web for iWork, they particularly weren't that accessible with VoiceOver. So hopefully that may be improved with the new release. But we'll see. I- iCloud in general is a little bit of a dog's breakfast with. Um and that's a bit of an insult to dogs, really. It's 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 really not very good at all. The whole iCloud web experience with any screen reading technology. Mm-hmm. Uh. Speaking of iCloud, they didn't talk about the new iCloud storage options. No, and that's great no. news, isn't it? Um, two terabytes now available for I think it's about nineteen US dollars a month. Yeah. Um, the only thing I'd like to see them do now that we have that kind of storage is it would be great if you could share folders in the same way that you can with apps like Dropbox, Dropbox. so that you can collaborate. Yeah. Um, That's exactly what I was thinking. Yeah, yeah, because I'd go for that. I, if I could do that kind of functionality, I would cancel my one terabyte of Dropbox, which I'm rapidly filling up, and uh, go with the two gigs, uh, two terabytes of iCloud storage. Yeah. I would too. Yeah. Yep. Um, one one drive, I think, and I've got a whole bunch of OneDrive space because I'm an Office 365 subscriber. I think they're getting a little better on the collaboration space in terms of sharing folders and stuff now. But I've not... They keep keep waffling back and forth on this idea where you... where they give you little icons for the files and but they're not really on the actual device and then you can download them by clicking on them. Mm. I don't know where we're at on that with, with Microsoft, but I'm wondering if the new... See, and I, I haven't been running it because my Mac is too old at home and I don't oh. want to put it on my machine. It, yeah, it's an old Mac. It's oh. 2000, it's a late 2009. So it's, it's very old and very sad. Mm. Practically a dinosaur. Um, Sounds a bit like me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm older than you. I'm a sad then. <laughs> we won't ask how old David is. <laughs> anyway, yes, so your point. <laughs> I'm timeless. <laughs> yeah. Well, my, my, my point is that, that you know, I'm, I'm wondering how iCloud, especially with this two terabyte plan, and we know that uh, at least I've, I've read somewhere, and I don't know how, how true it is because I haven't tested it myself, but there's a, a feature in Sierra where you can share your desktop in iCloud so it appears on multiple, um, you know, devices and even on the iPhone in the, in the iCloud Drive app. 
And so the question is, if you don't have a, that much space, is it only showing you images, you know, little snippets of those, you know, it, files, and you're not truly down? I know it would do that on the phone, obviously, but is it doing that on the desktop as well? Have you had a play with this, David? No, I haven't actually. No, uh, no not yet. No. How are you finding Sierra overall? Is there, is there anything? Exci- I mean, the Siri thing is great, obviously. Is there anything exciting for? voiceover users to look forward to there mm, no i mean you know siri is exciting <clears throat> but as far as voiceover is concerned there's not i mean that they always make improvements to make sure it works with you know current updates and the ios and that sort of stuff um besides probably some new voices and some new changes in voiceover to do with table navigation where the rows change you know between sorry the columns change between you know three columns two columns that's a bit different, but overall, um, there's no real difference to voiceover on the, on the Mac. I have a dream, and that is that one day we will get a version of Mac OS that allows you to have a verbosity set, a setting that turns off the one row added thing. I get, I take it we haven't got that. No. Oh yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> it's just such a simple thing, but gosh, it makes Twitter clients and certain other things so difficult because you're always being interrupted with one row added, you know. And uh, yeah, that, that'd be a nice thing. Are there any other things about the Apple Keynote, just as we wrap up here, that uh, we haven't covered that you wanted to uh, to highlight or comment on? Well, Tim Cook talked about the new Apple Music interface. Mm-hmm and the new playlists that are there. So that's going to be interesting for people that are upgrading to iOS 10 next week. Uh, it's, they, they've, on, put the uh, library, they, they've put the library at the center of things again, which I think is right. I mean, music discovery is great, yep. but in the end, most of the time, you want to go in there and get to the music that you have, whether it's been collected through Apple Music or put on your phone by some other means. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm not that particularly excited about Apple Music. I mean, I, I subscribe to it. My children love it, but I, you know, I'm not too excited about it. I mean, the new, the new interface for the news app, I think, will be really good. I'm actually finding, particularly doing research for my radio program now, I'm finding I can find out a lot more news in the news app than I can with my other sources at the moment. So I don't know what they've done to it, but finding stories and topics about technology seems to be a lot better now in the in the news app on iOS 10 that I've previously been finding. Yeah, I've I've replaced lots of apps with the new version of the news app. I really like it. It's not available here. In fact, I think it's still only available in Australia, the US and the UK, which is extraordinary, really. Why yeah. aren't we good enough? Well, I and well, we don't get a discount for the fact that Siri isn't available on the Apple TV here yet either. Mm. But, you know, um, <laughs> that's fine. But can, can I just ask you then, um, as a as a as a closer, w- would you describe this event as a success, or is it possible that Apple has produced an event that, for the first time, could be potentially classified as a bit of a flop? I don't think so, actually. No, I think it was. I think it was the normal polished keynote event. I, I think. I oversold the lack of the headphone port with the what was it? It was a courageous move. Or they had it, or it was courage, sorry, courage, a courageous move. But you know, I think the fact they moved it along very quickly. They had different people coming in and talking about different stuff all the time. 
I mean, to me, it was still a successful keynote address. I mean, we all knew it was going to be about the iPhone 7. I think most of us thought about the Apple Watch. They're certainly going to mention iOS 10, Watch OS 3. So, you know, I just think it was, for me, it was probably not a a fantastic one, but it was a maintaining keynote. So it wasn't a, I don't think it was a, a, a failure one. I think it was a maintaining one. How do you feel about it, Jeff? I think it, yeah, I think it all depends on your perspective of what you wanted out of this keynote. I think if you are a significant uh, camera user, then you loved it. Um, mm. I, I think that others may not have gotten as much out of this one simply because it, it I mean, if you take away the camera, there, yes, there are innovations here, but they're not. You know, they're not Siri-esque, you know, when, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put this at the same level of when the 4S came out, for example. That was a big deal when Siri came out, you know. Um, yeah, there's, there's some interesting technologies in this, but I, I don't think that it was, quote, as innovative for our group of, you know, users uh, as, as it might be for others. But I wouldn't necessarily call it a flop either. I just don't think that it was... You know, I would have been happy with an iPhone 6S uh, something, you know, added to the S <laughs> to, to call this and then wait for iPhone 7 for next year to for a big, big reveal. And just before we get to Heidi on this, I think it is fair to say that one of the problems Apple now has is that the supply chain leaks so much. They've all got internet access. They all know the value in talking to journalists, and so they do. And it was interesting that... Any surprises that we got today were largely in the software space, just little things like Pokemon Go coming onto the watch and yeah. uh, uh, Super Mario coming onto the phone. We didn't get any leaks about that, really. Uh, and that's because Apple can keep it secret because they can have non-disclosure agreements that stick. All the hardware stuff now leaks. And if you know which sources to trust, then you know exactly what's going to be. As I say, I blogged in November last year that the headphone jack would go. So it it does make it tougher for them to sort of play Santa Claus and and do a big reveal. Um, What did you think of the event, Heidi? Uh, Hit hit or miss, mate? It was boring. Okay. Tell us what you really think. (laughs) No, it it was boring. There was nothing particularly exciting there. So you would classify it as a flop? maybe not a flop but it's definitely not a didn't feel like a proper Apple exciting event Is it just because the products are now so mature that we can't expect the hey wow moments anymore until there's a whole completely new something that we have never thought of yet Yeah probably But you you were predicting all the things that actually happened like I didn't need to watch this to know what was going to be coming out you had already told me before it had been officially announced now i feel like the kid at school who you know tells the other kids about santa claus i should have i should have just not it's you know it's like you're five years old and and uh someone has opened up your christmas presents early and told you what you have and so there's no surprises on christmas morning yeah (laughs) i think it's i think it's sort of the same kind of a thing and um but i will say that i think we're going to learn more about all of these devices in the next few days that may change a little bit of our perspectives on some of this. So, you know, I, that tends to happen 
in these kind of things when people get their hands on them and they write more extensive reviews of these. And we'll see some some reviews probably come out Sunday or Monday that talk more specifically about these devices. And I'm hoping that one of them will talk more about, you know, charging and other and other ways of making that happen, because that that for me is a big deal. Uh, I. I, it is a big deal to me, and that's the only that would be the only reason right now that I am sort of at least hesitant right now to to upgrade, but I probably will. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be interested so, to know. Da- David, you'll definitely be in the queue, and at the risk of spoiling uh, our own chances, mm-hmm. the secret to getting the iPhone in a timely manner is to use the Apple Store app on an iDevice. Do not use the website. Would you yep. agree? Yes. Exactly correct. Yes, absolutely correct. Yep. That's yeah. right. Yep. Yeah. Very good. You, and, you, and have lots of caffeine on uh, ready to stay up until, you know, as long as it takes. Mate, here in New Zealand, the orders open at 7.01 p.m., so it's all very civilized. Yes, You can yes, do it yes. after dinner. Well, yeah. One, one yeah. here in Australia. <laughs> actually, we actually we cheat on um, my wife has her app store open on her iPhone. I've got my one open, and she also uses her Mac with Safari to keep refreshing the screen. And it's a race to see whoever gets on first. <laughs> yeah, we do the same thing. We we have uh, yes, we have like five or six devices. There, I did I did a Heidi and said like I owe you ten dollars <laughs> in the jar for you. So, yeah. <laughs> so we we do the same thing. We we get iPads and iPhones and and you know even even Windows machines and and my Mac going and. And it's a race to the finish, whatever gets there first. Well, I wish you luck if you're ordering. I, 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 I'm, really, I'm really conflicted about it because I feel like some of the and, – and I am using like in the correct way there. So, no, don't you try and make me put $10 <laughs> in the jar. I, 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 I do feel like I should show some solidarity uh, with people who have a significant accessibility issue as a result of the removal of the headphone jack. And, I mean, I'm one of them, but I think that there might be ways to work around it for me. But at the same time, I – do research. Yes, yes, exactly. And I mean, that that's absolutely true. I mean, in my line of work and, and in yours too, David, you you do kind of justify this as a as a business slash learning expense. Mm. So it's yep. a tricky one for me. All right. Well, look, thank you, you. Thank the three of you very much for being on the podcast. It's been really fun catching up with you and um, we'll maybe do it again sometime. I think we should do it with Max Sierra. Excellent. That comes out, we can have... Yeah, that sounds like fun. We'll talk about Sierra. Yeah, that'd be lovely. All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to The Blind Side, a production of Mosin Consulting. On the web at mosin.org.